Turn around, look at your table and say, I'm glad you're here. You're looking so good. Say it one more time. Some of you looked up at me when I said that. Everybody say, you're looking so good. You still didn't say it, did you? Take it by faith. You're like, all right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Peter. We're starting a new series today. It's called Stand Firm. I had another one of those early morning wake-up calls about, I, I woke up at 1 o'clock and I couldn't get to sleep and I'd laid in bed until 2 o'clock and I kept hearing this phrase, stand firm, stand firm. Have you ever had God speak to you and you're trying to go back to sleep? It's not a, it's better to just go ahead and get up. And uh, so for a few, uh, about an hour, a little more than an hour that morning, I was praying and God was beginning to speak some things to me about standing firm. How many of you know that it's important for you to have a firm foundation? Yes. Do you recognize that? I wish I'd have thought about it. I'd have had you put up that video clip of me baptizing people. We don't have that back there, do we? The, I was in Mexico and I was, we, we may show it next week just to tell you what we're thinking about this week. You can run back there if you want to and see if they got it. But what happened was we had a group of young people that we took to Mexico and they committed their lives to God, wanted to be baptized, so I was baptizing them in a lake. Problem was, it's where I was at, was, it was just it's nothing but mud in that lake and I was, I was trying to get a, I was trying to be able to stand on a firm foundation and so I'm, I got my feet locked in and when I took the person down, the person kind of went back toward me. Well, when it did, it turned me, but I couldn't move my feet. So I literally went down with them and the water and so we were both baptized and and I got back up and brought them back up and when I brought them back up the there the next guy came and so I'm I'm determined stand firm got my feet in that mud and went down well this time I didn't fall backward I fell forward <laughs> and so we were both baptized again Last time, and in the video, you see it, the last, the last one, I get this look on my face, I am not going down. And I got, I got a hold of them, and man, I've got my feet locked in, and, I'm, and I, I take them down, and, and I get them back up, and man, I about had a shouting fit right there because I didn't go down that time. It's important that when you're trying to help someone how many of you have ever tried to pull somebody out of a ditch or you've tried to help someone up some stairs i never forget our daughter bethany it was winter time and we had an ice storm and so debbie was outside and we have a brick porch and uh brick steps going down and Debbie was outside and she had her our niece in her 
arms and she she was trying to help her down and she had and when she stepped on that man the, the it, it had completely iced over and she flew off the steps out in the ground and came down on her elbows and I mean just hard and Bethany went oh mom and went running out there and she flew up and landed right on top of Debbie and Debbie goes oh and she said well I'm hurting too (laughs) she didn't have a firm grip it's important in our walk with God that we're able to stand firm in our faith because if if we don't really know what we believe then we can be talked into anything when I first got saved, I, I, I wasn't raised in church. I, I had been to church a few times, but I wasn't raised in church. So at 18 years old, when I started reading Scripture, and I remember stopping and getting down and praying, I said, God, how am I ever going to be able to speak about what I don't understand? And I said, God, please, help me understand and this was I'm just talking about my personal experience and when I got back up it felt like a wind blew over me and when I opened the word it came alive to me and it's been alive to me ever since then all the years when I evangelized and traveled I you know I I said God I want you to use me in the gifts I said but the most important thing I'm asking you is let your word come alive in me so I can make it come alive in others. I'm telling you, there's something special about the Word of God. There's something very powerful about it. And you don't really, I, I, don't take offense at what I'm going to say, but if, if you're a Christian that just comes to church and you're not getting in the Word, you have no idea what you're missing. You have to stand firm, not in my preaching. You have to stand firm not in what I've told you, but you stand firm in what he said. Everybody say stand firm. Let's pray together and we're going to go into the word of God. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace. Just ask you to have your way today. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Second service is always, has a special advantage over first service because I have to hurry through in first service to get everything. So I've I've got, the meeting's not until two. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand Firm, Say it with me. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your, you, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. How many of you have ever felt like, I, I mean, how many of you have ever gone through something and you felt like you were kind of the only one that was going through it? You know what I mean? Wave your hand at me if you've ever been there. We've all been there, haven't we? Well, all of a sudden we feel like we're going through something and nobody understands and nobody knows and no, nobody. <clears throat> the scripture here tells us that all over the world that our family, family of believers are suffering the same things. 
I want you to think about what you're suffering right now, and I want you to contrast it to what others are suffering. Because right now in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Yemen and all over the world in all these scattered countries, there are Christians that are being persecuted and hunted down. And some of them are having their lives taken away from them. And so when I put in mind what's happening to them, it makes me begin to pray for them. It makes me remember them and begin to pray, God, help my brothers and sisters. Then as I reflect on what I'm going through, I begin to realize things are a lot better than I thought they were, that, I'm, I, that, that God is good. Somebody say it with me, God is good. You know, and God is good is about a reflection of our faith, isn't it? I mean, there was a pastor in Romania and he was arrested and they took him in the, the jail cell and, and threw him in there with other prisoners and he had what every preacher longed for, a captive audience. He started preaching to them, man, and he's declaring the word of God to them. The soldiers came in and drug him out and beat the tar out of him. I mean, they beat him. When they brought him back in, his clothes were ripped and torn. A tooth was missing. His eyes swollen. His lips split and bloodied. He threw him on the floor, and he fell down in a crumpled pile. And the other prisoners stood there looking at him. And all of a sudden, he slowly got up. He wiped the blood from his mouth. He straightened out his shirt. And he said, where was I before I was so rudely interrupted? <laughs> There's something powerful about standing firm in your faith. Everybody isn't your friend. Everybody isn't cheering for you. Everybody doesn't want you to succeed. But this isn't about everybody else. This is about you and him. Somebody say it with me. It's about me and Jesus. Remember that song? Man, if I could learn how to play guitar. Brian, where are you at? It me and Jesus got our own thing going. No, you don't. <laughs> what are you saying? Look, he said, whosoever will. Sometimes we sung that song, me and Jesus got our own thing going. We, and, and people think that there's all kinds of way to get to heaven. He said, it's like going to Los Angeles. You can take a plane, you can take a train, you can take a bus. You ain't going to Los Angeles. You, you're trying to make heaven, and there's only one way to get there, and his name is Jesus. Somebody say it with me, Jesus. And so what I want to do today, I want to give you through this series, I want to give you some tools that are going to help you stand firm in your faith. We, we are in a battle. We're in a fight. Matter of fact, the book of Ephesians says, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. John tells us in 1 John 5 and 19, we know for a fact that we are of God. How many of you know you're saved? How many, if you know you're saved, stand up right now. If you know you're saved. If there's not a doubt in your mind that you're saved. Now, let me share it with you, and I'm not singling anyone out, but I want you to hear me. If you're not able to stand up right now, then you need to make sure you can before this service is over. Because heaven and hell are permanent dwelling places. 
and I don't want anybody missing out. I want you to make heaven your home. Everybody shout it with me. Make heaven your home. You can be seated. So he says, we know that we are of God. In other words, he said, I've settled the issue. I gave my heart to Christ. I've taken care of it. I've done my business. He said, we know that we are of God and the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one opposing God and his precepts. Ephesians told us about that, that it's spiritual wickedness in high place. So what we have to do is we have to recognize that the things that are happening in the world, see, here's the problem, is we've gotten into political fights instead of doing spiritual warfare. We, we have targeted the wrong enemy. The enemy isn't the person you disagree with. It's a spirit in this world. And you have to recognize that. That's why Paul says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. And so that spirit makes itself known. In Canada, a law has just been passed that if you speak against immorality... If I get up and I start preaching against adultery or I start preaching against fornication, or if I talk about transgenderism being wrong, you're born either a boy or a girl. You don't get to pick and choose. You say, how can you say that? Well, okay, let's say, how many of you would like to retire right now? Wave your hand. Okay, Jasmine's hand was one of the first to go up. <laughs> She'd like to retire right now. Okay, so if, 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 transgenderism is right, then Jasmine can identify as a 65-year-old and begin to collect Social Security right now, even though she's only 24. Can't do it, right? Why not? Well, because of her birth certificate. <laughs> You're born a boy or a girl. So that's, and, and here's the thing, and please hear my heart. If you're struggling with that, Please let God love you and help you and understand that you're someone special and precious. That he didn't make a mistake. He, he, he made you unique. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And celebrate what he's done in your life. But see, we're wrestling with spiritual wickedness and high places that messes with our mind. So if I preach against those things in Canada, right now I can face five years imprisonment for telling someone that Jesus loves them and he has something so much better for them. Five years in prison. But hear me, Trudeau is not my enemy. It's not a political system it's spiritual warfare it's stuff that's going on that we don't even recognize in our own nation look morality is laughed at sin is not just tolerated it's celebrated we have churches that are ordaining homosexuals into ministry how can I repent of my sin if you accept me in my sin. If you're telling me that there's no right and there's no wrong, how will I ever be able to determine what's right and what's wrong? 
Do you understand that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die so you could see what was right and what was wrong, so you could give your heart to something that was real and true? A year ago, the President of the United States announced his transgender policy. He opened up women's sports to men and girls' bathrooms to boys. I stood in this pulpit on that weekend and made a statement. I warned about the fact that there would be opportunities stolen away from girls in collegiate sports. And I talked about, I, I warned about the fact that the, they were putting girls at risks in the bathroom. Since that time, right now, there's a man, a young college student that swam for the boys team for three years, and now he's identified as a girl, and he's swimming on the girls team. He has stolen opportunities from those girls. He's shattered every record. Of course he has. He's a guy. He's, he's shat, oh, but that's not politically correct. I'm not in politics. I'm in saving souls. I'm in, I, I'm in the fact that God loves us and he cares about I'm not pointing a finger at that young man. I'm telling that young man that God has something special for him, but he's got to be willing to let God be the one that identifies him. Not society. Not these girls have had victory stolen from them. They'll never make it to the stand for a medal because now someone's standing in their way. In Virginia, a young 15-year-old boy put on a skirt, went into the girls' restroom, and raped a ninth-grade girl. The school board covered it up because... They were afraid it would affect their transgender policy. They covered it up. They transferred the boy to another school where he proceeded to go into the bathroom there and sexually assault another girl. We can't be afraid to stand up and say, wait a minute. Don't, don't do that to our children. You say, what are you talking, I'm, I'm not just talking about don't do that to the girls. Don't put them at risk like that. I'm saying don't twist a boy's mind and cause him to think that he can just be either or. God didn't make a mistake. God knows exactly who we are. He has a purpose and a plan for us. So we've got to stand firm in his truth. You say, Pastor Rick, how do, we, how do we stand firm and be strong in our faith? What, how, how do we do that? What are we supposed to do? Well, one thing is it would help us because, see, here's, here's the rub, is that oftentimes in, in the church, we get a bad rap of saying, well, they hate people and they're not tolerant. I don't hate anybody. My prayer is this. My prayer is that you would love me enough to tell me the truth. Scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not. That you would care enough about me to tell me 
the truth. I had a guy that I was working with years ago at Triangle, and I used to run armor cable. How many of you know what I'm talking about, armor cable? It's, it's copper wire that's wrapped in steel. And so my job was I had a high-voltage machine that I shot into that wire to make sure there were no nicks in the insulation because if there was a nick in the insulation, that voltage going through that wire would blow out against the steel, and it would cause the machine to go off. So the coil would hold a charge when you did that. So I'd have to ground it out. So I'm training a guy down there, and I'm explaining that to him, and he looks at me, and he said, that ain't right. I said, what do you mean? He said, that wire cannot hold a charge. It can't hold it. Don't argue with me. That wire cannot hold it. And he's, he's just, you know, I mean, man, he's giving it to me. And I'm looking at him. I said, look, I'm just telling you. And so I said, watch. I, and I, I just touched it a little bit. I said, now touch that and see if you don't feel a little bit of nip. So he touched it. I said, did you feel a little bit of nip? He said, if I did, would I be standing here holding it? So I said, well... Let me put a little bit more to it. I looked at him, I said, touch it now. He said, I'm telling you, that's not going, pow! Man, he jumped back and I said, what's wrong? Did it bite you a little bit? And he said, well, you know why it did? I'm standing on this extension cord. I said, get off the cord and let's do it again. (laughs) He wasn't buying into it. Do you understand that some folks will not accept the truth? They, 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 They formulate stuff in their head and they won't accept it. I'm telling you, I'm asking you, love me enough to tell me the truth. I would have, I, man, I would have been thrilled if someone would have loved me enough that when I was in Honduras, they would have told me the truth when I rented that vehicle and I was headed to Tegucigalpa, or I was headed to La Ceiba from Tegucigalpa. If someone would have come up to me and said, hey, you might want to be careful, there's a bridge out. Nobody said anything to me. No, not only did they not, now I want you to hear me because this is important. It's not just important that you speak the truth. It's important that you speak. Because when you know the truth and you hold it back, you're guilty. Think about it. What did God tell Jeremiah? He said, if I tell you to go to the center, and he said, I get, or, or to Ezekiel, rather, he said, if I tell you to go to the center and, and you don't go, then I'm going to hold you responsible He said, but if I tell you and you go and you tell what I tell you to and he doesn't hear you, he'll die in his sins, but you'll be free from it. You won't be responsible. Silence is not an option. We've got to love them. Nobody loved me enough to tell me anything. So I'm driving through Honduras from from Tegucigalpa to La Ceiba in the middle of the night when all of a sudden, man, there's not a light, there's not a flame. My headlights just light up this sign that says bridge out. (laughs) Big old pile of rock. I, I nearly hit it. And I thought, 
man, thanks for the warning. <laughs> Don't you want to be warned? Amen. That's when love is really love. It's when you love enough to warn. We need to remember Paul. Paul used to be Saul. As a matter of fact, when his name was Saul, he was persecuting Christians, and he had some put to death. Not unlike what's happening around the world today. Say, what's your point? My point is this. Look at Ephesians 2, and chapter 2, and verse 2. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Now, Paul's speaking to us. He said, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, everybody say, all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we need to remember that we were all in a mess. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I'm not pointing a finger at somebody that, you know, accusing. I'm pointing a finger saying, let me tell you what God did for me. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. He can change things. Don't anybody get excited. I got excited that he changed. Look, man, there was stuff I did that I wouldn't want you to know. If, I, if, if you knew everything I did, you probably wouldn't want to listen to me. Don't get too, so stuck on yourself. If I knew everything you did, I probably wouldn't want to talk to you. <laughs> Aren't you glad to know that there's a God that loves us and accepts us and changes us? Now hear me. God loves us so much that he accepts us just as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us the way he found us so he changes us. Somebody say, thank God for the change. That's why the scripture said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When I got saved, all of me got saved. It took my mind a while to catch up to his grace. <laughs> because when you get used to a certain way of thinking, it's hard to break that way of thinking. But what helped me break that way of thinking is the more I got in the word, the less I continued to think the way I used to. Amen? We need to pray that every, all of our leaders, that everyone around us, our friends, and those that we don't even know, we need to pray for a road to Damascus experience like Paul had. We need to pray that God himself will show up and apprehend their heart and change them you know what really moved me i talked about the boy putting on the skirt and going in and sexually assaulting those girls he he they, they it finally all came out and he was arrested the parents of the two girls that were assaulted kept him from going to jail that's love on display I thought about that, and I thought about myself as a parent, and I thought, man, 
And they went to the judge and they said, he doesn't need to go to prison. He needs help. And so rather than send that boy to prison, they sent him to a facility that is supposed to help him. Everybody say help. Now, how many of you know that true help comes from above? <laughs> that the cure to our ailment is to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus transformed Paul on the road to Damascus, and later Paul would write, and he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I stand before you today telling you I am what I am by the grace of God. There was nothing special about me. There was nothing unique about me that, that all of a sudden he looked and he said, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you. No, man, you understand how thankful and grateful I am that I've been given the opportunity to share the word of God, to tell people about a God that loves them and cares for them and can transform their lives. It's, a, I, I, it's something, I, it, it blows my mind when I think about how good God has been to me, not because of who I was, but in spite of who I was. You say, Pastor, how do we stand firm in our faith? James tells us in 4 and 7, he said, submit yourselves therefore to God Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Three words I want to point out to you. Submit, resist, and flee. Everyone say submit. Now, submit to who? To God. It, it, if, you, if, you're, if you're submitting to the wrong thing, you're going to get the wrong result. Submit to God. What's it mean to submit to God? It means to place yourself under obedience willingly obeying God. Not by force. Paul made the statement, and he said, I fear lest after, after having preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul took this real serious. He was thinking, man, it's a grace of God that saved me, and so I'm willingly going to follow him. And like Lonnie said last week, my answer is yes. My answer is yes. Whatever he's asking, it's yes. So we submit. We willingly obey God. We resist Resist who? The devil. The, the word resist means to stand against the devil. Everybody say stand against him. I remember as a kid, first experience with God, and uh, I remember, you know, praying. I didn't know how to pray. I was like 12 years old and had gone to a church, you know, and had and, and felt God. And I remember praying. I got down on my knees and I'm praying, God. I just, Lord, I'm asking you, Father, Lord, just to whip the devil. God, let me grab him by his tail and swing him around and around and around. Everybody else that was praying stopped to listen to me pray. Why? Because, look, I didn't have it right, but I had a passion. I, may, I, I was just 12 years old, but I, I knew that I didn't want the devil to win. I knew I wanted to resist the devil. How many of you got your mind made up? You want to resist the devil. Somebody shout it out right now. I'm not a pushover. I'm not going to let him knock me around and push me around. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to resist the devil. And the outcome, 
He's going to flee. He's going to run away. That's what it means. He's going to vanish. When you embrace him, hold on to God. You say, well, I, I, I can't resist the devil and he'll flee. He'll run away. The devil ain't going to run away from you. You forgot. I've submitted to God. I'm not alone. My daddy's standing with me. And when the devil, I may not be any match for him, but he sure ain't going to mess with my dad. Submit to God, resist, and he'll flee. So the question now becomes, how do we resist? We, we got now how to stand firm in our faith, to submit, resist, and he'll flee. But how do we resist Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10, a final word. Anytime you see the apostle saying a final word, you, you probably ought to take note of what that word is. A final word, be strong in the Lord. Not in yourself, not in your own ability. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will what? So that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. He tells us this is how you do it. This is how you resist. You, you stand firm and you put on the armor of God. You put it on the belt of truth. Look at the belt. Paul, aren't you glad I'm not making you stand up here? <laughs> the belt of truth. Somebody said, what's that about? I, I, I did a series on this years ago, but I just focused on the armor. This time I'm focusing on what the armor represents. And Paul had to stand up here for like an hour in that armor. He said he's never the same after that. The belt of truth. Everybody look at the belt. The belt of truth protected the soldier's reproductive part. Now hear me, you don't want to give birth to lies. Put on the belt of truth. Make sure that what you're giving birth to is the truth. Make sure that you love enough to share the truth and share the truth in love. That's pretty good, I think I'll say it again. Make sure that you love enough to share the truth and share the truth in love. If I'm sharing the truth and I'm angry and mad and hostile, ain't nobody going to receive that. But if I'm sharing the truth in love, it's like when you're talking to your child and you're saying, baby, don't touch the stove. And I want to touch the stove. And you go, okay, go ahead. See if I care. You don't do that, right? I hope not. You say, baby, I'm not trying to keep something from you. I'm trying to protect you. Because if you touch the stove, it's going to burn you. It's going to. And sometimes even letting them feel the heat. I was over at my son's house this past week, and Vivian wanted to get up on. They, they've got a little uh, step in front of their fireplace, and she wanted to get up on the fireplace and do the she had a little hula skirt on she wanted to do the hula and wanted me to get up there with her there wasn't enough room on that step for both of us but the fire had been going 
And I, I said, baby, and, and her mommy came up and she said, baby, she said, no, I, I don't want you to because it's still hot and you'll burn yourself. So she wasn't allowed to do what she wanted to do because of love. You hear what I'm saying? Because of love. And when people get to, under, to understand that you really love them, then they'll hear what you have to say. Somebody say love. Now, I, so I put on the belt of truth and I put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Throw up the armor. So this, I want you to think about this. This, this, this breastplate of righteousness, it protects all the vital organs. The heart, it's the seat of our emotion. God doesn't want your heart broken. He doesn't want it damaged. He wants to protect your heart. So oftentimes God keeps us from things that he knows would be a heartbreak to us. He, he tries to instruct us, don't go there, don't do that. He stands firm in his word. Now, truth means to be in agreement with the true state of facts or reality, the way things really are. How many of you understand that there is an absolute truth? Wave your hand if you get that. There is an absolute truth. Now, people say, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity. I don't mean this wrong, but I don't, it doesn't matter whether you believe in the law of gravity or not. You get up on this building and jump off, and the law of gravity is going to make a believer out of you. You, it, it doesn't matter that you, and, and I see this all the time. People say, well, I don't believe that. I believe God doesn't care. I believe God, and don't try and guess at what you think God believes. You don't have to. There's a whole book filled with what he believes. It's a book called the truth. It's the word of God. So it, the, the truth is the true state of facts righteousness, the word righteousness, so we've got the belt of truth, true state of facts, we've got righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, which is equity of character. In plain English, it means the personal character and moral courage to do what's right, regardless of your personal feelings. I do what's right regardless of my personal feelings. There, there was a lot of times in, like when we had, uh, I used to do these big state uh, we call them youth conferences, like big camp meetings. And we had all kinds of uh, competitions going on. We had basketball, we had volleyball, we had baseball or softball, we had tug of war, we had drama, all this stuff going on. And I had a team represented. But I couldn't fudge it. I couldn't give an unfair advantage to our team. And I refused to. Why? It's about doing what's right. Everybody say, do what's right. Regardless of how you feel about it, you have to do what's right. The 15th chapter of Psalms illustrates this when David says, O Lord, who may lodge as a guest in your tent, who may dwell continually on your holy hill, he who walks with integrity and strength of character and works righteousness. There's the breastplate of righteousness. And speaks and holds the truth in his heart. 
David was a warrior. He was already equipping himself. He, he, he understood a breastplate of righteousness, his loins girt with truth. How many of you remember that game show, To Tell the Truth? Wave your hand if you remember it. Man, you, <laughs> I know how old you are. There were four contestants. Only one person was telling the truth. You had to figure out who was telling the truth. Man, that's a tough way to live, isn't it? But isn't that really kind of where we're at? It's like, man, how do we figure out what the truth is? We're, we're trying to search for the truth. We live in a world today that wants to ignore true facts and create their own. And so when you try to create your own truth, it doesn't make it right. It just makes it right to yourself. So you are self-right or self Righteous, and the Bible said that's like what? Filthy rags. God help me. You say, Pastor Rick, then who determines the truth? Somebody ask that real quick. Thank you for asking. If you go to St. John, the first chapter, and look at verse 17, you're going to find out who determines the truth. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. People say, well, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. I mean, that's, he's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, things have changed since then. He hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 13 and 8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he, he hasn't changed. In John, the 18th chapter, Jesus and Pilate are having a discussion and Pilate said, so you're a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. <laughs> How come nobody else is excited about the truth? All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Pilate's questions, what is truth? Jesus answers it in the 14th chapter in the 6th verse. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Somebody say yes. Now hear me. If you love people and you want people to go to heaven, then there ought to be a desire in us to tell everybody about Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When's the last, when's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Man, it got real quiet in here. I, well, this is what I want you to do. Would you do this for me right now? Right now. I want you to take a piece of paper. I want you to take a pen. And I want you to write one name. One name of someone you know that you're not sure if they're going to make heaven their home. And I want you to make a commitment to tell them about Jesus. Would you do it? I'm going to give you five seconds. Go ahead. Write that name. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. We have to stand firm and speak the truth in love because it's the right thing to do. People's lives aren't changed by telling them what you think they want to hear. In John 8 and 31, listen to this. Jesus speaking, he said, Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue where? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know what? You'll know the truth and the truth will do what? 
the truth will make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Every situation you're ever going to face, God has the answer for it here in this book. Everybody say it. God has the answer. Right here. Somebody say, right here. How many of you have ever had a situation you needed an answer to? Well, hold your hand up if you had one you needed an answer to. How many of you went to the book? Here's what you have to understand. You know, because sometimes what happens is we go, man, I just can't get an answer. I can't get an answer. You're not looking in the book. Every situation he covers in the book, but you have to dig it out. Paul told Timothy, he said, you study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that can rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to dig it out. We've become spoiled to Siri. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We don't have maps in our vehicles anymore. We got a little lady living in our phone, on our dash. And we say, Siri, where's such and such? And she starts figuring it out. And she goes, go up here and make a right. And you go and make the right. I, listen, Siri's wonderful, but she could cause you some problems. I was in Dayton, Ohio, preaching a revival. I was on my way to church. I had no map with me. I didn't need a map. I had Siri. I pulled Siri out, and Siri wouldn't work. There was a solar flare that day, and it shut everything down. I had to call the pastor, and he's on the phone with me trying to give me directions through Dayton, Ohio, to get to his church simply because I wasn't prepared. Everybody say it with me. Stand firm. Say, be prepared. St jump up, would you, right now? Just jump up. Say, I want to be prepared. We can't live our lives in the ebb and flow of culture. We need a solid rock to stand on and anchor that can never be moved. Story of a pastor. Have church service. Young man came up and he said, Pastor, pray for my hearing. Would you please pray for my hearing? Pastor stuck his finger in his mouth, wetted his fingers, stuck them in his ears, and he started rebuking the spirit of death. He took the fingers out of his ears and he looked at the young boy and he said, how's your hearing? He said, I don't know, I don't go to court till Thursday. <laughs> Do you understand? That, well, I, that's, that's the whole thing, he didn't understand. How are they going to believe if they don't understand? How are they going to, and how can they understand if someone doesn't share with them? We have been given a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. I don't take that lightly, man. I get excited about that, to share the gospel with the world. But if we're not careful, we allow the devil to cause us to begin to slip and slide off of that foundation. We get concerned, well, what if they won't hear me? You'll live to tell someone else. But what if they do hear you and you're not speaking? What if they would hear you, but you don't talk? What if someone's waiting for your voice. What if someone is hurting 
and feeling like, what's the point, man? I, I don't, you know, what, that, why should I even try? And your voice would make a difference in their life. Ray did his touch ministries. It was a ministry to AIDS people, people that had AIDS. And I remember him talking to me about a young man that was a, a president of an organization of, of uh, homosexuals in Houston, I believe it was. And he showed up at, they were doing a car wash and he pulled into the car wash and he thought, oh my goodness, man, I'm, you know, and, and they asked him, they said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a preacher. And they looked at him and got, you know, and all of a sudden this anger started flaring up. Why? Because they had been hurt before. And Ray looked at him and said, you know, we've been hurt too. But he loves you. He started a discourse with this young man and he gave him his card, but the man was so angry, he didn't want to hear anything he had to say. And Ray told me something. He said, I learned that you can't force anyone all you can do is love them. Tell them about Jesus and love them and just let them know you're there. And guess who he called for when he was dying of AIDS? He called Ray. And Ray went and shared with him, and he gave his heart to God. Wow. Wow. That makes me so excited. Do you understand the repercussions of that? How, do you get it? Do you get it? That young man is in heaven now instead of hell. That young man is standing before the presence of God because a preacher pulled into a car wash and said, hey, I, I love you, man. Just call me when you're ready to talk. And, and he wasn't ready for a while. And he said, the sower went forth to sow. Just stand on a firm foundation. You know, Jesus Christ, a solid rock. And if you're standing there, you don't need to be afraid. Just stand there and love people. Stand there and share the truth with people. And watch how God uses your life. So get ready to sing this song. I, I want to ask you this question. If you're here today and you don't know him, I want to give you an opportunity I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just trying to introduce you to the best friend I ever found in my life. He's been so good to me. Oh, but you're a preacher. I wasn't a preacher always. <laughs> the truth was is I didn't believe I was a preacher. Afraid, no foundation. But when I started putting that word in me, I discovered something. Nothing can come out of you that you haven't put in you. That's right. That's right. But when I started putting the word in me, and I'll never forget Debbie's mom and dad tricking me into getting up to preach. I looked at him, I said, I'm not a preacher. I said, oh, we don't want you to preach. We just want you to testify. See, they saw something that I couldn't see. I was struggling with fear, but thank God they were willing to share the truth with me and let me know that I was not who I thought I was. I was who he said I was. 
adults. And when they brought me up and I said, well, okay, I'll testify. And I stood up and when I stood up, man, I don't know what happened, but it was like, I literally, honest to goodness, it was like that I had stepped out of my body and all of, I, and I heard myself saying stuff and I was going, oh my goodness, man, where's that coming from? I, I couldn't, in the back of my head, this is going on. And I realized something. God's a lot bigger than I gave him credit for. <laughs> God's big enough to reach past all my frailties, all my weaknesses, all my inhibitions. He's big enough to use me. He's big enough to use you if you'll let him. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're in this house today and you don't know him and you want to know him, I want you to come up. If you're in this house today and you know him, but you, you, you haven't really felt like that he's, that you, you feel like that he wants to use you in a greater way. And you've been a little apprehensive, a little fearful. I want you to come and stand firm with me today. We're going to pray and you're going to see God begin to work in your life in a way that you never thought possible. You're going to begin to feel the love of God flow through you and the Word of God equip you. Now again, it can't come out if I haven't put it in. So what do you say? We just make a difference in the world. Uh, Paul was living in a rough day. You say, well, you, Paul's, you know, it was different when Paul was alive. He wasn't facing the things that we're facing today. No, they were dipping Christians in wax and using them for torches when Paul was alive. But you know what Paul did? Paul said, none of these things move me. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself. He said that I might finish my course with joy. What was Paul saying? I'm going to have a revival. <laughs> How many of you ready to have a revival? hear what I'm saying? How many of you are ready for God to use you and you're saying, let me stand firm. Let me not fear and let your word flow out of me. If you would, as they sing this right now, I want you to come. Come very quickly. Go ahead. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I'll speak the holy and you're loving him and even right where you're at if you would just raise your hands and, and begin to ask God some things I want you to look at me just a second as you stretch your hands to heaven I want you to look at me I want you to hear what I'm going to say you need to give your mind to rest you, you've spent so much time trying to figure stuff out that it has literally worked you into like some anxiety am I telling you the truth now look this is what I hear God saying Tell her, I'm big enough to get her where I want her to be. 
She doesn't need to worry about it. She doesn't need to fret about it. She just needs to surrender. Just submit. Just, here I am, God. I willingly obey you. And you say, well, what's that look like? It, mean, it just means that you do what you know he wants you to do. And you do that every day. And it, it, it progresses and it progresses. But you've been trying to see the whole picture at once. You've been trying to figure it all out. You keep sitting with God like a blueprint before you thinking, okay, God, this is... No, God's saying you're wearing yourself out. It's time for you to enjoy your journey, for you to raise your hands and stretch your hands to heaven let's hold those hands up are you ready for God to do you know there's you've experienced a I don't know how to put this other than it's like it's like all of a sudden you hit a point in your life where you found the spout where the glory comes out and it, and it's like you know that excitement and and that and now hear me keep it alive by feeding it feeding it the word of god and sharing it with others everybody's not going to receive what you've got to say but don't let that discourage you you continue to speak it out and your greatest asset is what he's done in your own life as you just stretch your hands to heaven. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus called my family. I'll speak the holy name. Jesus to heaven you've been in a war like a battle and you are battle weary it's almost like you're shell shocked and God is saying I need you to do something that you understand with your head but you haven't been able to accomplish in your heart and that's to cast all your care to him you, you're you continually fretting and 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 it's it's like it pulls you in and it's it's it tries to it, there's a cloud that's been resting over you. Today, that cloud is lifting. And mm, in Jesus' name, sing it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Stretch your hands to heaven. There were times you didn't know whether or not you were going to be able to make it. You're not just going to make it. You're well able to overcome it. The reason, the reason it seems so intense is because God has a plan and the devil knows he's got a plan. And so there is, there is a, how can I, there's a, there, there's a fire that's beginning to burn, but the devil's trying to rob it of oxygen. God has a plan for your life. He's going to use you. So you've got to shake everything else off. Are you ready? Just stretch your hands to heaven and say, I will not be robbed of what God has for me. Now, here's the, here's the important thing for you to understand. God's already determined you're big enough, bad enough, rough enough, and got stuff enough to go through it, or you, you wouldn't be in it because he said, I'm not going to put anything on you that you can't bear. So what God is saying is, I've got it, I've got it figured out. I've got it planned. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. 
lift your hands to heaven. I want you to look at me and I want you to shout this out. This is what it feels like to be free. Shout it one more time. This is what it feels like to be free. Because whom the Son did. In Jesus. Come on, somebody shout yes. God, I give you praise. Hallelujah. I'm just going to give this to you the way it's coming to me. When I, I saw you, and I, I don't know, I, let me just share it. I see you bruised up. In other words, it's like you've been all beat up and, and not feeling like you could get up. Not only are you going to get up, but you're going to get over it. Get, get. There were times you said, nobody even knows what I'm going through. Nobody even sees this. God saw it. And God said, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Are you ready? Stretch your hands to heaven and say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my assignment we're going to stand firm in our faith we're going to buy the truth and sell it not and we're going to do what's right regardless of how we feel about it and we're going to speak Jesus (laughs) we're going to speak Jesus everywhere we go we're going to tell our best friends about him and we're going to tell those folks that can't stand us about him we're going to share and speak Jesus because nobody ever loved you the way he did. I want you to stretch your hands to heaven right now and say, thank you for loving me. 
thank you for loving me, God. I give you praise for it. I pray God's blessing over you today. May you always feel him close at hand. May you know in your heart that he's never left you or forsaken you. May you recognize that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And may you submit, submit and surrender all to him so you can experience this new life in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Sing us out of here. Because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name.